We get it. Applying for grad school is scary, but as I always tell students, remember where you were five years ago, and now imagine where you could be in another five years. Hi, I'm Dr. Carolina San Juan, and this is the UCLA AAP Graduate Mentoring and Research Programs podcast that we created to normalize the graduate school application process. Today's episode, we meet with Ryan Garcia, second year law graduate student specializing in critical race studies and international and comparative law. She works closely with the Latinx and Native American Law Students Associations and is also the GMRP Law School graduate mentor. Ryan is the perfect guest for today's podcast where we differentiate between graduate and professional school. She's sharing her journey from undergrad to graduate school and now law school. So if you're interested in graduate school, but unsure what kind of programs are best for you or are contemplating which programs will lead you into your life's work, then tune in here. Yeah, you know, I I think I had the same childhood fantasies as a lot of people of like, I want to be a vet or a doctor. And I saw my dad who was a dentist and thought, maybe that. But I, I didn't really actually know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to be in school and I knew that college was a thing and I was going to go there. But I didn't really have a firm idea of what I wanted to do until I was in high school. And I think I went to a little career day that we had and I listened to a professor speak and I was like wow he's so smart like he like looks like someone who's really respected like he seems so intelligent on this topic and like I want to be like that and if I can have a job where I can go to school forever like that would be my dream like I was definitely like a nerd for school back in the day so that's really what caught my attention. My dad actually was the driving force behind me coming to UCLA because I think he was living vicariously through me and my sister. My older sister came here. I was really dead set on going to Berkeley, and then I kind of just had a change of heart. I really just wanted to stay in LA. I felt like this was my community and where I I should be. Um, But I came in knowing that I wanted to be a religious studies major. I knew, again, like I said, in high school that I wanted to be a professor. And so to me, it was just choosing a topic that was interesting. I took a religious studies class in high school. Um, I learned about, you know, injustices that were happening because of religion. And I thought that was really interesting as someone who doesn't really identify as religious. So I came in knowing I wanted to do that. Um, And then I ended up taking some classics courses for fun to satisfy some GE requirements. Um, And I had a TA pull me aside and tell me like, you know, Ryan, you really get this stuff. Your paper was like one of the best in like the whole class, you know, the whole entire class. And I was like, wow, no one's ever said that to me before. (laughs) So I was like, if this guy thinks I can do this, like maybe I should double major for fun, which is like so (laughs) the amount of work that goes into that, that was so naive, like to just do something for fun. But it turned out really, really well. So yeah, I was a double major religious studies and classics. So I knew that I wanted to go to grad school just for the sake of becoming a professor. And I guess in undergrad, I just didn't really know how to do that. So I asked professors. But when professors are answering questions for young students who don't know what they're talking about, 
they're not really going to invest all the time, especially for young, you know, like brown women from myself who come from like San Bernardino and big public high schools and we don't really know what we're doing or what we're looking for. Um, I just knew I was going to apply. And so at that point, by my senior year, I decided to start doing a senior honors thesis. I didn't know how to research. I didn't even know what a thesis was. Um, my advisor was probably like, she came down really hard on me a few times because she was like, do you even know how to cite something? Do you even know? Why are you using the dictionary for this? I had no idea. Like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So um, it was really just about preparing myself for what I thought I needed to prepare myself for instead of having immediate access um, to resources that would have told me what to do. Um, But I did ultimately decide to take a gap year to, one, pay off some of my loans that I didn't even realize I had taken out, thanks to my parents, Um, but um, also to just make sure I had an application that would get me into, you know, in my head, elite like higher ranked schools because I was just gravely misinformed that the only way you should do uh, graduate school is by going to top schools and that was kind of my first mistake was taking the advice of a professor who you know now in hindsight he was really bitter that he didn't get tenure and his excuse well his reason was that he didn't go to an Ivy League school so his advice was if you don't get into an Ivy League school don't go to grad school which was shocking for me because I didn't, had never considered applying to an Ivy League school, didn't see myself there, didn't ever think that was a possibility. Um, So yeah, once I realized that was something that according to this, you know, white male professor (laughs) that I had to do, then I was like, I really got to put my all into these applications and still wasn't really expecting it. But um, that's kind of why I took the time and did and did that. So there was an active decision on my part to do a two-year master's program with language study in order to prepare me for a PhD program. Because at the time, the talk of all the students were, you can't go straight into a PhD. No one takes students like us into PhD programs. You need to do, you know, this two-year. And, and I, I didn't even really know which program was the best fit for me. It was really just about like, this is kind of the best ranked school and they gave me money. So, you know, why not? (laughs) I was actively against law school pretty much my entire life. I definitely had one of those dads that was like, law school or medical school, law school or medical school. And I think he kind of gave up on the medical school thing pretty quickly. Uh, But like a lot of people, he didn't, he had misconceptions about what being a lawyer was. So he was like, oh, you're smart and intelligent. You can research, you can argue. (laughs) Um, So you could be a lawyer. And so, you know, I realized during this time that I did I was living a kind of privileged generation of trying to pursue something I was passionate about and I was passionate about studying religion, whereas my dad was the generation of kind of pulling his family, you know, what he wanted to, I guess, up to the middle class or um, in that aspect. So it was really from my dad's perspective, you know, definitely baby boomer mentality of just like, how can you make the most money? Because that's how you're going to be successful. Like that making of money and this over entrenching idea of capitalism being us being successful in this system 
it was never really about what I wanted to do until I kept trying to prove to him, like, I can be a professor. I'm going to make money this way. It's going to be okay. And so it was every month the phone call was, so when are you going to apply to law school? When are you applying to law school? You know, every month I'd get that phone call. And I mostly ignored it for most of my life until, you know, I started seeing things in graduate school that made me step back. And once you start seeing those things, you can't stop. It's like the veil gets lifted and you see the ugly truth of academia. And, um, you know, I had professors that were supposed to be in these elite institutions and they weren't getting tenure because maybe someone in the department didn't like them. And they were publishing and every year getting fellowships and doing research and, you know, doing all of this time studying abroad, you know, when they were younger, having all this privilege that I didn't have. So I was watching them and they were not getting their seat at the table. So I was like, well, what am I doing? Like, why would I get a seat at this table? And then I was like, do I even want a seat at this table? Like, I could definitely work myself to death for this, but like, for what? For like, why do I need to do this to myself? Like, who do I need to prove this to? And and so those were the first thoughts that came into my mind when I saw you know, kind of the politics of academia and what I would call the ugly truth of it. But then I would say that it was the summer in between my two years when I actually started to do work on the ground. You know, I was studying Tibetan Buddhism. I was studying human rights issues. I went to Dharamsala to work with the community in exile. I was learning Tibetan, how to speak it. And I showed up and I realized I didn't even know how to say hello in Tibetan. You know, this course that I had been taking that was supposed to lead me to academia, but I had been studying scriptures and I could recite the Heart Sutra, but none of my teachers could even recite that. They kind of laughed at me because I didn't even know how to speak. Um, And then I got questioned a lot by my teachers, like, why are you interested in us? Are you Tibetan? And I was like, no, I just, I see a lot of similarities between what's happening here, you know, the genocide of a people, cultural survival, And my own background, you know, I'm uh, Mexican and I have indigenous heritage and I was very um, into a lot of native issues at home. So then a lot of comparisons came up where the Tibetans were like, well, why aren't you helping your own people? Why? Also, why are you studying sutras? (laughs) Like, what? How is this going to help anyone? And they didn't necessarily say that, but that was kind of the implication. And I think that they they liked that someone was paying attention to their struggles, but I just kept thinking, what am I doing? Why am I why am I in academia for this? You know, I'm taking away the spot of someone else who could be speaking for this community, who should be from that community, and I'm not even doing anything for my own community. And even if I was, like academia was just like killing me at this point. So I came home after the summer, went back to Yale, got a new advisor um, because my original one went on sabbatical and she came down even harder on me. She looked at my transcripts when I came back on the first day and were like, well, why aren't you taking Old Testament? Why aren't you taking New Testament? And it was this whole like, let me colonize your education for you. Like she thought she knew it was best. And I didn't want to study, you know, Western theory. I didn't want to use Western theory to study an Eastern tradition. And I wanted to bring my academia to life. I wanted to do something for people in real life that was not 
just going to be for scholars and and professors doing this work. You know, I kept getting asked all the time, well, you're a young, you know, Mexican woman from Southern California. Why are you interested in this field? You're not Buddhist. And this was coming from white men who were (laughs) in this field. And I'm like, why are you in this field? Like, there was no self-awareness at all. And it really just became a competition, at least from my point of view, of all of these people who could be, like, the most Buddhist, the most Tibetan Buddhist, the most, have the most, you know, have the best teachers. And that was just silly to me. And I just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Um, So I started panicking and didn't know what I was going to do the second year. I just started taking classes I was interested in knowing full well I was not ready for a PhD program, and that was terrifying because all of this was for the PhD program, you know, like since high school, I thought I was going to be a doctor, you know, I wanted to be Dr. Garcia like my dad, and he was a dentist, and he took a completely different route, and he had no advice for me in grad school. It was just a complete disconnect, you know, as a boomer, he came from this mentality of like, just work really hard. And you'll be able to do what you want. And I realized, like, it doesn't matter how hard I work. Like, it really does not matter how many hours I put into this. I gave up my life. I didn't have a social life at Yale. I, other than the social activism I participated in, all I did was work. And I wanted to prove I could, you know, get good grades at Yale and succeed. And then everything changed. And I, like, had no grip anymore on, like, what I wanted to do or what I was supposed to do or why this didn't feel satisfying anymore. So after all the phone calls from my dad about when are you applying to law school, I think he kind of felt that I was vulnerable. (laughs) Like he knew that I was starting to have a change of heart. You know, he was like, maybe now's the time to strike. But I had just gotten off off the phone with him and I was at work. I was babysitting for um, a professor. She was a professor at the law school at Yale. And I did work during grad school because unlike a lot of my classmates, did not have a trust fund or had to take out loans to live. And that was something a lot of people didn't understand. But, um, you know, I got off the phone. She could tell I was annoyed. And she was like, oh, what's going on? And I was like, it's just my dad. He keeps trying to convince me to go to law school and I keep telling him it's never gonna happen and she was just like well why not and then you know I kind of had to pull back because obviously you know this is a woman who went to Yale Law School she was a professor and she was an immigrant from Ireland so she still had that experience but then she kind of opened up to me about that experience about doing international human rights about doing criminal justice work and I had never heard the phrase public interest when it came to law. So I didn't even know you could do anything with the law that would help people. I really just saw the law as hurting people. And, you know, I came from a community, you know, that was targeted with the use of the law. So it was never like a friendly thing for me. It was something that I felt was antagonistic. Um, So when she told me that, I was like, oh, you know, maybe this isn't such a bad idea. Maybe I should look into this. And I started researching and I first went to UCLA because I was like, if I go back to school after this, it has to be in California. It has to be where I'm from. I suffered too much being across the country where I didn't have my community 
and it was just too hard and you know I had two winters of the snow I'm not I'm not made for that like my soul needs to be like closer to my motherland so um I knew I had to be back here for like my mental health and it just so happened that UCLA law had a critical race studies program and once I saw that it was kind of like over for me I was like that's it like that's how I can do this that's how I can bring all this weird experience I had of like classics and religious studies and you know studying sutras like there was a way to transform all of that and it was human rights and you know civil rights critical race theory and to see that being represented in a law school I thought was really transformative and even at the time I was still like well maybe I could still do a PhD maybe this isn't really what I want you know like what is professional school I just did this whole graduate school thing and it was exhausting and once I moved back home I had like serious anxiety and depression and I was like why do I want to go back into this and so I knew I was taking it at least another gap year to think about it which really kind of extended into two gap years but I would say that the definitive moment I knew I was going to law school was you know November of 2016 and I just like woke up and I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm not having it. I have enough privilege in my life to do something for other people. And it's okay that academia wasn't it for me. You know, I didn't want to kill myself over that particular route, but I'm willing to spend the next however many years of my life maybe suffering a little in a different way to do something that was more substantial to my personal experience. So while I don't discourage people from doing graduate school at all, I do, you know, encourage people to hesitate and think why and what they're sacrificing. And is it really worth it for what what you're going to be doing or what you could be doing? So that was it was a long reflection period. And, you know, it's from the time I graduated undergrad and started law school, it was five years. So it, it took it took a while. Yeah, so my advice would first be research your resources. I did not take the time to do that as an undergrad or even really as a graduate student or in my gap years. I really had no idea that there were so many resources out there. There were prep programs, you know, there was pre-summer programs to get you ready for these types of things. And, you know, I was going to professors just straight up asking them for advice and they didn't think I was really going to do any of this. So I wasn't getting the right advice from the right people. I was not going to people that had my background and asking for advice. So I would highly suggest, you know, utilizing programs like AAP, of course, like this could have been a game changer for me as an undergrad. I was in AAP as an undergrad and I just didn't, I just didn't participate because I thought I could do it all on my own and that was a huge mistake. Um, You know, get connected with different student orgs, pre-law societies, if that's your interest, or pre-med societies. Talk to people who have been through it because then you'll know if you actually want to do it or not. Um, Just talk to as many people as you can because it's very likely that you're coming from a family or community that you don't have access to people with those experiences. (music) 
Thank you to Ryan for joining us on this episode. The one thing that we can all appreciate about Ryan's story is her journey. She embarked on a roller coaster of a ride, going from graduate school, a research-based curriculum, to law school, a practicing-based curriculum. I hope this inspires you all and helps you to understand the difference between the two schools. Graduate school is about knowledge building, exploring the world, and shifting how we understand the world, whereas law school and other professional schools are about utilizing that knowledge for all of us in this world. visit our office in Campbell Hall 1202 or call 310-794-4186 to make an appointment or to learn more about our upcoming workshops.